We're already in the third week of our current message series, taking a look at who we are. About 20 years ago here at Nativity, we struck out on a different path because we believed what we were doing wasn't working. So we set out to develop a deliberately different culture and way of being a parish. As a result, not immediately and certainly not easily, but eventually and with effort, we saw God's blessing in terms of health and growth. So in the course of this series, we're taking a look at some essential elements of our culture, what we value together as a parish. These are things we either put a little more emphasis on than perhaps other Catholic parishes do, or things we think have been lost in Catholic culture that need to be restored, or things that we discovered that work well elsewhere. We decided to do this series at this time because we're meeting so many new families and individuals joining us here on Ridgely Road and online who started attending Nativity Online during COVID. We think this series will be a helpful introduction for them. At the same time, we hope it will be a welcome refresher for parishioners who have been around for a while, bringing perhaps some new insights as well on why we do what we do. This week, we're looking at one of the most important factors of all in our growth as a parish, and it's this concern, this factor that must burn in our hearts and be kept in the forefront of our mind if we're going to be the church God wants us to be, and it's this. We're committed to growing wider by reaching new people who don't know God in a personal way. We're determined to not be a church that is only all about the people already in the pews to reach people who aren't in the pews. And to help us make this case, we're turning to the 19th chapter of Luke's Gospel, where we read this. At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. So Jesus comes through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem, where he will suffer and die. Located about 17 miles northeast of Jerusalem, apparently Jesus' intention was simply to pass through the town. But then something changes. A man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So Luke gives us a few key facts about this Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. We learned about them last week. They're the bad guys in town. But this Zacchaeus wasn't just any tax collector. He was the chief tax collector, which meant he was a wealthy and powerful man. It also meant he was probably the most hated guy in town. The citizens of Jericho would have loved to hate Zacchaeus, and he would have been unwelcome at the synagogue. Nevertheless, it was the life he chose, and it would be easy to imagine he was quite comfortable and content. Maybe, maybe there's a Zacchaeus in your life. They've chosen a path or way of life that doesn't include God 
that has no place for faith. They have money, they have a great lifestyle that works for them, and it's easy to assume they're comfortable and content. On the surface, it was easy to assume Zacchaeus was comfortable and content. Turns out, he was not. He ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass by that way. He runs and climbs a tree. That's worth noting because Middle Eastern men, wealthy men, men of stature and authority, didn't run ever, period. Running was for children and servants and slaves. They didn't run, and they certainly didn't climb trees. These details suggest that Zacchaeus was beyond anxious to encounter Jesus. He was desperate to do so, and he does. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. Consider this scene for a moment. At this point in his ministry, Jesus was basically a rock star. Tremendous crowds followed him everywhere he went, and the citizens of Jericho would have turned out en masse to see him too. They're all clamoring for his attention, begging for favors, looking for miracles, and Jesus stops for Zacchaeus. Jesus stopped for Zacchaeus. He saw him in the tree. He already knew him by name, and most remarkably, he invites himself to dinner at Zacchaeus' house. You know, some moments, some appointments are divine. They're God-shaped. They're God-given. And there are critical moments in our lives where we choose to say yes or no to God. This is Zacchaeus' moment. And he doesn't hesitate. He doesn't pause. He seizes the invitation to spend time with Jesus and get to know him in a personal way. So Zacchaeus and Jesus are off to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. And as they go, Luke turns our attention briefly back to the crowd. When they saw this, they began to grumble, saying he has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. Grumbling and complaining throughout Scripture, and there's plenty of it, often comes in opposition to God and his will. In Luke's gospel, grumbling and complaining takes place every time Jesus reaches out to those who are far from God. He gets criticized by the religious people for reaching people the religious people were not reaching. Think about that. As a parish, we're sometimes criticized for doing things that other parishes don't do, that we actually do very deliberately to reach the lost. I mentioned last week, I learned one of my colleagues has labeled us the Cupcakes and Cappuccino Church. Perhaps you've heard that one. Or perhaps you've heard this one, Our Lady of Starbucks, which is really unfair because we only serve Baltimore coffee and tea. I've heard the critics, mostly people at a distance who never even pause to find out what we're all about. Do they bother me? Sometimes, of course. Maybe they bother you too. I know parishioners who loved our parish and left our parish because they got tired of hearing the criticism. They got tired of having to defend nativity. 
And that makes me sorry and sad. But here's what you need to remember. If we're criticized for reaching people far from God or investing in a church community that tries to make such people a priority, well, that's what Jesus did. And that's what he told us to do too. We acknowledge the criticism. We wish our critics peace and goodwill. And then we move on. And that's what the gospel writer Luke does in his account of this story. He quickly puts our focus back on Zacchaeus and Jesus and their remarkable encounter together. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it back four times over. Zacchaeus has a change of heart here. He got lost using people to serve money. And now he's using money to serve people. He commits to Jesus that he'll give half of his possessions to the poor and pay anyone he has cheated or extorted four times what he took from them. Knowing his position and his power, that was probably quite a few people and quite a lot of money. Zacchaeus' example, by the way, reminds us that our heart follows our money. Giving and using money in a God-honoring way moves us in God's direction. And we see that clearly in Jesus' response to him. Today's salvation has come to this house because this man is a descendant of Abraham. Salvation means God's saving work in us. Salvation means we're aligned with God and God's will by God's grace. Then the passage ends with a profoundly important statement by Jesus, which pretty much sums up what he's just done and what the church must now do if we're going to stay on mission with Jesus. He says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Think about it. Jesus clearly sought Zacchaeus out. He very intentionally, very specifically went looking for him. Jesus saves Zacchaeus because he's Jesus, of course, but also he saves him by forming a relationship with him. He spends time with him. And in the process, Zacchaeus has that change of heart. And that word, lost, that can sound insulting, but the lost means anyone disconnected from Christ and his church. It isn't an insult, it's an acknowledgement that without Jesus, we're all lost. He's the way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And if we're not following him, we're lost too. So, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Obviously, his church must do the same if we want to be his church. And we do this personally, and we do it corporately. We do this personally by being on the lookout for people God wants us to influence, investing in them relationally, and then when we get the opportunity, inviting them to join us here at an appropriate time. We do this corporately too, as a community of faith, as a church family, by partnering together to create an irresistible environment 
That's what we like to call it, an irresistible environment specifically for guests and newcomers. That's why we have parking ministers. That's why we have greeters outside and host ministers inside in the Welcome Center on the concourse. It's why we put so much effort into kids' ministry. It's why we spend time developing message series. It's why we built this church building, people sacrificed, so we could have this beautiful space to worship in together. It's why we've got all this technology to create such a high-quality online mass broadcast. It's why, it's why your giving to our parish matters, because your giving is an investment in seeking and saving the lost. A couple of years ago, a prisoner approached me after Mass and seemed excited. He told me that he had a neighbor who doesn't go to church, doesn't have a church, and for years this guy had been inviting his neighbor to Nativity. Week after week, he just kept making that invitation. And guess what he said to me? He's finally coming next week. He's finally coming to church. Isn't that great? And I said, that's great. And he said, yeah, that's great. So don't screw it up. <laughs> we know that every weekend is someone's first time, either in person or online. It's someone's one day to give church a try. There. Zacchaeus moment. We know that every weekend someone is coming here for the first time and maybe the last time. The last time before they give up on church altogether. So allow me to offer a promise and a challenge. I promise. I promise for myself, for our parish staff, and for all our weekend member ministers that week after week we'll do our best to bring our A-game we're not perfect and we don't always get it right for sure, but we promise to always try to do our best for you. And you can rely on that. You can take that to the bank when it comes to making invitations to church. And that brings me to my challenge for you today. Can you join us in this partnership? Who do you know who is lost? They're lost to, to God. They're lost to faith or maybe they're just lost in their way of life. They're lost in their way through life. Can you consider investing in them in some way relationally? And then when the opportunity presents itself, make an invitation to join us here on Ridgely Road or online. Or why not take it even further? Consider serving here as one of our weekend ministers, creating that irresistible environment we talked about, helping us to create that environment. A good opportunity to serve will be on Christmas Eve, which you'll hear more about later. You'll be able to serve with your family and friends. It'll be festive and fun. Think about Think about joining us on Jesus' mission to seek and save the lost. Help us to be a church. People who don't like church like. Thanks for watching. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single video. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples by sharing this video. We're grateful you're part of this community.